So every now and then you meet some people in the fire service who, you know, are making a great impact. They have a great message. They share it well. And I'm real honored to say that two of those people, Dan Shaw and Doug Mitchell, are going to be with us today. They are the authors of 25 to Survive, Reducing Residential Injury and Line of Duty Deaths. It is a fantastic book available through Penwell. And Dan Shaw is a Deputy Fire Chief of Operations with Fairfax County Fire and Rescue A-Shift. He's been with them for 22 years. Doug Mitchell's been with FDNY for 19 years. He's the captain assigned to the 3rd Division, currently detailed to the Bureau of Training, where he serves as the Executive Officer of Probationary Firefighter School. So these guys have a lot of experience. Uh, like I said, they have a great message. And what we're going to cover is Chapter 1 of their book today, which is Combat Readiness. Welcome to Flashpoint, the Fire Inside podcast. Featuring leadership and team building principles designed to ignite your inner fire and help you reach your full potential. On our program, you will learn from professional athletes, military and business experts, inspirational figures, leaders in the fire service, and other top achievers who have reached the pinnacle of success in their chosen fields. And now your host, international speaker and best-selling author, Frank Viscuso. All right, welcome to the podcast, Dan Shaw and Doug Mitchell. Real happy to have you on with us today. Hey, good afternoon, Frank. Thanks for having us. Oh, it's my Frank, pleasure. always a pleasure to see you, buddy. You too, you too. Uh, we have some history together, you know. We spent some time uh, every year at FDIC uh, together. I see you guys throughout the country uh, doing speaking. Uh, I know you guys are as active as, as I am, so it's been fun to be on this journey with you. And, of course, your book, 25 to survive is absolutely fantastic, which is a big reason why I wanted to have you on the show, but thank you for making time to be here. Our pleasure. So let me start with just talking about um, combat readiness, because that's what I want to touch on today. It's chapter one of the book, which is combat readiness. And what I want to do is just kind of do a, walk me through this chapter and walk our listeners through this chapter, because as you know, this podcast is, is just trying to inspire people uh, to achieve success in whatever their chosen field is. Majority of our listeners are emergency service uh, oriented. We have some military, but we have some people that, that have no connection at all into the fire service. And so in essence, not only do I want to introduce firefighters to this concept of combat readiness uh, based on, on your book, but also how this can help people outside the fire service as well. But, but the first part of this book, you have a, a section it's, it's all about me. Can you explain what you mean by that? And either one yeah, of you sure. could start. Yeah, I'll, I'll start this off. Um, you know, it's all about me. And, and when many of us are young in this, in this field and young in our careers, we, we kind of take a, an approach um, that we're there to satisfy uh, things for ourselves in our own person and in the fire service and in most professions in general, you're not a single entity uh, going through your day, going through the course of your work week. You're part of a bigger team. And in fact, when we, we talk about, you know, it's all about you. The reality of it is none of it's about you. And especially in the fire service and the public, uh, public safety agencies, everything we do, is really about them, those people outside of our four walls, those people that we took an oath uh, to protect, 
that's what it's really all about. So we started it with it's all about me in that you need to take a good look inside yourself and think about why you're here and what that impact has on you, on your shift mates that you work with on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. on your company as a whole, and then spreading out to your department and so on. But you have to start the day looking yourself in the mirror. And if you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm okay with being as mediocre today as I was yesterday, then we got some big problems. Right. Right. Dan, you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. I mean, I think Doug really hit it. I mean, it it is the, the, the importance of what we do. And and I think Frank, you're, you're kind of alluding to is that, you know, that the connection between what we do in our profession versus what any other person who wakes up and goes to work and gets after every day, uh, the parallels are very similar. Uh, and, Having that understanding that you are leading people uh, and that there is a purpose to what you're doing every single day mm-hmm. and having that dedication to that purpose. And, and understanding is, you know, even to Doug's point is uh, one of the things that we're all asked, or I know I'm asked from some people I really uh, cherish who I work with, they will say, hey, do you think I should take this promotional exam? Uh, do you think I'm ready? And, you know, that's a first reflection or first sign of self-reflection that you internalize that to say, hey, am I ready? Right. And I ask them always the same question. Are you credible? And are you willing to accept the burden of that command? Uh, and that really is a, a self-realization. Am I credible? Don't ask yourself that. Don't ask that into a mirror because you'll get the same answer. But go to the people you have to lead and say, am I credible in my position? Do I have a level of mastery? And then that second part is, are you willing to accept that burden, that command? It doesn't matter if it's in the dangerous occupation of what we do, or if you're a person who wants to assume a role within a business with more responsibility. Every command position has a burden to it. And that burden is, in some aspects, is is leading people. And it's really that self-actualization, that ability to internalize and say, hey, am I ready to go to work? And so that kind of leads into that combat ready part of right. where it's it's a behavior, it's a mentality, and it's how you conduct yourself. You can't buy it, uh, you can't order it from Cyber Monday. Uh, it, it is a behavior you have to condition within yourself. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Now, you know, you also talk in the book about uh, why are you here, and you know, there's, there's really six primary reasons why a person works. They work for time, money, security, recognition, to belong to a team, or to make a difference. And there's hundreds and hundreds of other reasons why a person would actually work, take a job like ours, that can fit into one of those six categories. But how important do either one of you feel that it is that a person understands their why, of why they want to do this job, or whatever profession they're, cho- they're choosing, but specifically the fire service, how important do you think it is that a person understands why they want to be a fireman? Uh, I mean, I think it's vital. I mean, I, I, if you come into this job and you don't have a, a level of altruism uh, into what you want to do, then really you, you're missing the entire purpose. I mean, the, the one of the things that I stress, and you know, I, I was trying to find a better way to define it, and I was listening to uh, a leadership class we had within the department from a, a retired. Uh, army officer, and you know, he, had, he said it perfectly, you know, because I was preaching to our people that's mission, it's always a mission. The mission, uh, the men and the women, and myself. And, you know, the mantra they had was mission first, people always. Mission first. Uh, and that's really important is that you don't always put the needs of your individuals above the mission. 
And if you do that, then you're missing why we exist. We exist because we are public servants and people expect us in the worst day of their life to come and rescue them, willing to risk your life for an absolute perfect stranger. And if you're not, if you haven't prepared yourself for that scenario and thought about that and really grasped the enormity of that, uh, then you're doing disservice not only to yourself, but also to those who are going in harm's way with you, but also those citizens. So absolutely, you got to have that level of altruism when you come into this, this trade, whether you're a volunteer or paid, doesn't matter, uh, that you're willing to give your life for another perfect stranger and willing to exercise that level of, uh, of a courageous act. Now, Doug, in the book, there's a quote there. The quote is, as part of your oath you swore, a largely unwritten part lies in your personal attitude. I Listen, we've spent a lot of time together, the three of us, and, and we've spoken about this, about the importance of coming to work with the right attitude. And talk a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about your thoughts on, on attitude and, and people's mindset. Yeah, I mean, your mindset... Uh plays a lot into how you act and interact both in the firehouse and on the fire ground. Listen, everyone's got, uh, everyone's got something going on, whether it's at home with family, with loved ones, everyone's got the, it's complicated button on Facebook. All right. So let's just put that and leave that at the door. So as we come to work every day, we have to be focused as Dan said on the mission and that attitude, you know, you, you walk into every firehouse across the country, you're going to have the same, it's the same circus, different clowns. You're going to have the guy who thinks he's a lawyer. You're going to have the guy who thinks he's a doctor. You're going to have, uh, you know, the girl who fixes the cars and, and you know, you're going to have one of each is a cast of characters. You're going to have the, the, the firefighter who isn't happy unless they're unhappy. Mm. That's, that's kind of the course of, of the way our business works. And you have to try to leave your baggage at home. When you go to work, be at work. And if you're a volunteer, when you're at the firehouse, be at the firehouse, be involved. Listen, we do life and death work. We're not going down to the factory, punching the clock at, at, at 7 a.m. and punching out at 3 a.m. and punching out at 3 p.m. Our job is so much more than that. And it, and it starts with you as the individual. And listen, you mentioned before about people wanting to be on a team and, and being part of something that's good and inherently wanting to be led. That's human nature. Mm -hmm. And all of us in the fire service, whether you're one of the newest members or whether you're that unofficial leader, the, the senior firefighter or, or the officer, we all have leadership roles within our organization. You may not really fully grasp that. And as firefighters, our job is dynamic. And we have to be prepared for the, th that call, the fire of your career, every time we go out the door. Right. We owe that to ourselves. We owe that to our loved ones. We owe that to our brothers and sisters on the line with us. And we certainly owe that to our civilians who we swore that oath to protect. You know, I, I agree with you. I think 99% of all leadership does not occur from the top, but from the middle of organizations. And that's why we need leaders everywhere which leads me to this question about combat readiness. What is combat readiness? Well, I, mean, I think the, 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 the proper way to introduce combat ready is to give credit to where it comes from. Um, so Pete Lund, uh, who's a storied career in the FDNY, 
and really had a, a tremendous impact on a lot of people outside of the FDNY. Uh, that being with the, the guys we have in traditions training, uh, really harped on this. And this is a guy with a wealth of experience, uh, goes to a large amount of fires and complacency could very easily slip in. Uh, but what he did every day and what he demonstrated every day and what was his motivation every single day was to preach to people that, you know, Doug said this, you know, every time you go out the door is the biggest five year career until you get there and determine otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Pete died in the line of duty in June 14, 2005 in his volunteer department after uh, retirement. And, you know, part of where we get that combat ready is a carry on that legacy of, of that person and that behavior. And really, I go back to, a uh, great quote uh, in which, you know, you're not who you think you are, you're not who you want to be, but who you are is a measure of the impact and the influence you have on others. Mm. And it's never as true as it is with P, uh, that here we are talking about something that, you know, he may have just came up at a kitchen table about the importance of. Uh, and that kind of leads to what is combat ready. And combat ready is first, um, and Doug can elaborate on, on some of his you know, beliefs, because it is very personal as to what you believe. And I look at it as, Hey, we have an enormous amount of data that tells us how we get injured and how we get killed in the line of duty. And what that data tells us is that very rarely is it some sort of large catastrophic event. Many times is very small incremental steps, fundamental skills that are not executed because complacency or laziness or a lack of mastery creeps in and then they start a domino effect. Mm. And so the only way we can change that is not by developing a new policy uh, or you know, some other wholesale you know, operation, but conditioning the right behavior. Right. That every day you come to work, you think this is going to be the day where you're going to have an opportunity to be a hero or zero. And the beauty is you get to craft that narrative. You get to write that story. The only thing we can control is that the fire always gets a vote. Right. So if we can take everything off the table except what the fire is going to do, and we can control that. And it's a small incremental steps. You know, that is the essence of what combat ready is. If you are ready to go to work, whether you get a salary or not, you're a professional in what you do, and you're dedicated to it, and you have purpose, and you're always working to de- develop that mastery in that trade. So that one, it is your time. And Doug and I share this in class a lot of times. Ask guys, hey, where's Keokuk, Iowa? Where's Homewood, Illinois? Yeah, these are all small places, separate line of duty deaths. Mm-hmm. And those guys that didn't come to work and think, oh, well, this is, you know, we, we never go to fires. There's nothing bad will happen to us. It did. And that might happen to me, you, or Doug. And when that happens, and when that opportunity presents itself, can we look at it and say, you know, I've done everything I could as a leader or as a person at the end of that hose line doing that search, prepare myself for this opportunity, and I get to craft the narrative. And it's going to be a good outcome because I've done everything I could in my power to prepare for that event. And that really, to, to, to me personally, is the essence of that combat ready. And it's so easy to do, but so hard to execute and takes a lot of dedication. Doug, what do you think? Yeah, Dan, you hit on a lot of good points. I mean, if you wanted to boil it down into a nutshell, it's, it's not only physical, it's also the mental component of what we do. And basically, it's a mindset of striving to mastery. On our profession, no one is a master of of being a firefighter. Right. No fire is exactly the same. No crew is exactly the same every time out the door. But it's always that that consistent uh, wanting of self improvement, um, and that's it, it. Takes us right back to where we started this conversation. In that, 
each one of us has a chance to make an impact at that operation. Right. I mean, fi- fire is an equal opportunity destroyer. Will kill you uh, your first day on the job, the day be- week before you're going to retire. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. There is nothing more final than than a fire. You know, think about it that way. Hmm. You know, we we are preparing ourselves to go into a environment that can kill us, and yet guys complain about doing a drill for an hour on a Tuesday afternoon because, you know, it's a NASCAR race on or something like that, whatever. The point I'm saying is this combat ready, it would draw a lot of cor- uh, parallels between the military and the fire service. We have rank structure, we have SOPs, we have uniforms. Our military is ready to fight. Yeah. They are ready to fight for our freedom, and they do consistently. And then they can go years even a military generation of service, a four-year commitment where they don't do active duty, but they're ready and we have to be ready too. Yeah. You know, hey, hey Frank, can I add yeah. something to what Doug yeah, was please. saying? And this is to kind of draw that parallel to the outside of the fire service world. Here's a perfect example. Remember uh, Beijing Olympics, Michael Phelps. Uh, he is on his last, uh, I can't remember what stroke it was, but he's, he's swimming. He's, yeah. he's in the lead. The water starts filling his goggles. Each lap, it's getting worse and worse mm-hmm. until now his goggles are completely filled. He can't see at all. Yep. Did he panic? Did he pull his head up? He ripped the goggles off? No, he never panicked. Didn't waver from the goal. He was just simply focused because he had trained in this situation. His coach had said, hey, we're going to train this. I want you to swim with goggles full. And he knew it was 21 strokes to get to the wall. So he just was counting strokes, 21 strokes, 21 strokes. He hits his 21st stroke, sets the world record. Yeah. Uh, so that doesn't happen by chance. Chance isn't a strategy or a tactic. Uh, it happened because he recognized all the variables that could happen, trained for them, and when the situation occurred, recognized it and executed. And that's what you know we have to do every single day. Yes, you do in every job. Is you know build that catalog of the, the things you will hit, and the obstacles you hit. And then train for them and have it, you know, plan for it. And then when you recognize it, execute. You know, you think about it, a guy like Michael Phelps, uh, just like, just like Usain Bolt or some of the great, uh, you know, athletes that are out there that compete for one, two, three minutes at a time. They train for hours and hours and hours, days upon days, months upon months, you know, and, and I have a friend that was a three time Olympian. The amount of time he put into being a professional oarsman, a rower is just incredible. So I know I know where you're going with that. And it's funny that you bring up Michael Phelps. I wrote about Michael Phelps and Step Up Your Teamwork and how many gold medals he had won. And then I had to rewrite it because he came out of retirement and won five or six more. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's something. Now, you mentioned complacency a couple times. I want to I wanna just work, you know, work with this for a little bit and, and spend a minute or two on complacency because, I mean, if I could put two words on every fire station in the country, it would be complacency kills. And NASA has spoken about this. Professional athletes have spoken about this. CEOs for major corporations have spoken about the danger of, of complacency in general. But, but the um, line of duty death statistics, National Falling Firefighters Foundation has uh, come up with, you know, they, they talk about the leading causes of line of duty deaths, but they also talk about contributing factors. One of them is complacency. Another one, which is right in line with complacency, is the acceptance of accidental success. And when I read that, just that statement alone, the acceptance of accidental success, really 
spoke to me because I'm thinking th this falls in line with that whole idea of, hey, you know what? What's the big deal? We've always done this. We've always done it this way. Or, hey, the fire went out and nobody got hurt, which I like to say, look, if we didn't show up, the fire would have went out and nobody would have got hurt. Did it go out because we did the right things and we can only do the right things if we have the right habits? That's something you talk about in chapter one is, is habits. What are some productive daily habits that you like to see in firefighters? Doug, is that good for us? You want me to? Go ahead, bro. You're on a roll. <laughs> uh, so I, I will tell you personally, uh, it, it's small. It, it's a, a minor issue. It's funny. I was watching a speech a couple of years ago of uh, a retired military officer who was sharing this. But every day I come to work, the first two things I do is I make my bed and I work out in PT. Uh, and the reason I do that is because it guarantees that no matter how bad my day goes, I'm guaranteed two wins. At least I will come back and I'll have a made bed. Whatever that time is, I may get back into bed and I'm ready to work. I've done something to better myself because just like you talked about line of duty deaths, 50% of our line of duty deaths are cardiac related. That means over a 10 year period, 500 firefighters will still be here. Fathers, brothers, sisters, mothers will still be on this earth if we were able to change that tide and that trend by simply treating ourselves like industrial athletes. Uh, and you don't have to be the fittest, the fastest, doesn't matter. You just have to do something. Mm -hmm. You got to condition your mind, your body for that firefight, that environment that we go deal with. Uh, and that's that first step of really getting past complacency. Uh, now, for you know, in the daily operations, what we did, I mean, this is what the parallel I kind of, I'm still adjusting to because of my new role. Uh, it's, it's vastly different. I mean, I, I don't have a kitchen table to sit with six or eight or 12, 15 firefighters and have a direct impact well, uh, yeah, on the battalion. Now, Dan, I mean, you're the deputy mm -hmm. fire chief of operations, Fairfax County. Um, how many people do you have under your command? Uh, so our daily staffing, my, my direct reports are seven battalion chiefs. Uh, but uh, every day we have four, about 407 people on duty. Right. Um, so you know, I can't directly touch and impact 470 people every day. It's just not enough hours in a day, no matter how well hard I try. So what I, I really push it to is more of uh, like what we do operationally. You know, firefighters are very task oriented. They focus on the, the tactics. Yeah. You know, I need to go do a search. I need to go do forcible entry. I got to stretch a hose line. And that parlays into what they do every single day is focus on these incremental things to get there. Uh, you know, our, our officers think about the strategy. What are we trying to do? I need this guy to do this. I need this girl to do this. And this is going to execute this plan. Uh, but you know, what I'm realizing in my role as a chief officer, and this is true in life, you know, you wear strategy and tactics every day, but you got to have purpose. And if you define that purpose and that expectations are clear and you give a roadmap to how to, to meet that purpose, then they start executing tactics to get to that point. They start executing strategies to get to the, meet that purpose. Um, so it, it is a, a change in the definition uh, or a change in your scope, um, and it is a little more hands-off, but the reach is greater, which is an, an absolute privilege, and it's humbling every day. But it is to have a clear purpose. And you know, when I go to a fire, and we'll have a tailboard critique, as we call it, after the fire is over with the company officers, regardless of what battalion I'm in, I always preach the same thing to them. When I arrive, I'm looking for are our actions reaching what our purpose is, which is the mission, 
the men and the women, and then ourselves. Mm. And are we putting the mission first? Is everything we've done putting the mission first to serve our public? And then we can get into more of the strategy and tactics. But yeah, it is it is a transition. Um, and I think the perspective, and I use Doug as kind of my sounding board, and I think vice versa, of, of our different roles of where we operate, uh, because it's good to have, be grounded, to know what is happening in the firehouse, uh, because I'm removed from it. Uh, Doug gets a, as a company officer is, is being able to lead people directly in that small leadership every single day. So it's absolutely valuable to have that purpose, but rely upon the tip of the spear, the people who are executing every day for that information to make sure it's working and it's communicated. Now, Doug, you're a captain, but you're currently detailed to the Bureau of Training. Do you speak yes. to these young uh, recruits about habits also? Or is it just, hey, show up and let's just put them in line and have them do PT or whatever the drill is for that day? Well, my role at the Fire Academy is not so much as an instructor. Um, I kind of assist in overseeing the instructors. There's about 45 lieutenants and firefighters who actually do the hands-on and the lecture instruction for the probies. Big part, a big, big part of what the message that our department wants to give to these probies. Mm -hmm. Set yourself up for success. Create good habits for yourself personally, dietary, working out, as Dan mentioned, uh, pre preparing your, your tools and equipment. You know, we try to, listen, we get people who come through the doors of New York City Fire Department from all walks of life. Some have never had a full-time job. Others have had full-time successful jobs with college degrees in physics and engineering. So mm. we're trying to teach all of them. But the basis, the root basis of all of it comes from setting yourself up for success. And we try very hard and very early and often to instill the idea of having routine in your life. Right. Our probably school is 18 weeks long. It's a marathon with a thousand sprints in it. And you have to set yourself up with good routines at home, good routines while you're in the car coming to probate school, while you're there, and afterwards. So, you know, anyone who has kids know that children thrive on routines, whether it's your bedtime routine, whether it's your breakfast routine, getting yourself ready for school routine. They thrive on, on some form of uh, an established pattern. Mm -hmm. And I do the same thing. When I, when I would come to the firehouse, as Dan mentioned, he'd make his bed, Man, I wish I had time to lay down. Good for you, Dan. That's, that's really nice. I'm just kidding. But I, I go right to my tools and equipment. I go right to my gear locker. I make sure that all my tools are exactly where I left them the night before. Mm -hmm. I take my, tool, my, my, my equipment because in our business, the tones go off. You're expected to be out the door in probably about a minute, minute and a half. We don't have time to say, oh, wow, did I remember to put my flashlight back in this spot, right. in this pocket, or are my gloves back in this pocket? We don't have time for that. So we have to be ready at a moment's notice. That may be what separates us from some other uh, you know, lines of work. And that we have to be ready to go out the door at a moment's notice to the fire of our career. And if we have set ourselves up successfully with good routines that allow us to be able to respond instantly and almost automatically to prepare ourselves as we're going down the road for that fire of our career, thinking in our head, what type of fire are we going to? What type of building are we going to? What kind of crew do I have today? Right. We're going to be more expeditious, and we're going to get to our goals, our goals accomplished quicker, and ultimately 
when we put our, when we put that fire out, it makes life better for everybody, the civilian and for us. Yeah, you know, and it and it shows that you're a reliable person because you know people like that can fulfill their their daily routine and their good productive daily habits. Uh, I think uh, actions speak louder than words. I think we all know that, but and I think that's an important trait. Reliability is an important trait. You give a list of traits in your book as well, and some of them are some of the same traits I listed in my book. You know, it's an interesting thing that we met each other after we had read each other's books, and and when I read your first chapter, I said, you know. I'm so glad that I got to know you guys because I think we see things on a parallel. You know, we understand. I, I think what you value are the same types of things that I value. But what are some of the traits? And I'll start with you, Dan. What are some of the traits that you think are important, especially for an officer? Um, you know, I, I, two come to mind right off the bat. First is respect, um, and what I mean by that is a thing you learned in, in kindergarten. You know, treat others as you'd like to be treated yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, we roll into any issue we have, whether it's dealing with a citizen and it's three o'clock in the morning and it's the third time you've been up after midnight and you're in your B game and you're angry and you're tired. You got to remember respect, treat them with respect or you're dealing with the people that you have every single day in your firehouse. Uh, and that's the beauty of what I love in the fire department. I think we can all attest to is that you could sit at a kitchen table and think, my God, if I was not a firefighter. There is no way I would be friends with half these people. They are so vastly different than me. There's no way. But we share a common bond that we're willing to put our lives in each other's hands. And so that demands a certain level of respect. And you know, I think when we talk about that, that leadership comes down to a game of inches. And we show this in the class. Is if you go to the Webster's Dictionary and open, open up to the S's, selfish and selfless, are separated by one inch. Mm -hmm. But that separation between a selfish leader and a selfish leader is astronomical. Um, you know, a selfless leader, people are going to want to be around. They understand that leadership is like a banking system, that this is not a bankrupt leader who's just taking all the time. He's putting in and he's asking for something in return. Mm -hmm. uh, he's investing in his people and, and he's demonstrating respect because if you give it, you're going to get it. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that, that's a great thing about it. Uh, the second one, I think, is courage. And, you know, we get courage. I think the courage is you know, the people who are willing to voluntarily sign up and come in and do do our job, whatever capacity it is. But really, I think it's the, the courage in the firehouse. Uh, I mean, the worst thing you can ever call a firefighter is a coward. Uh, and if you have that strong moral courage to recognize what is right and to stand up for what is right. I mean, we're going through a lot of stuff in our organization of, you know, we're, we, we need courage. We need yeah. people to recognize when something is not right and we are not respecting each other, bad things are going to happen. Right. It may not be in a fire in five minutes, but, you know, we are fortunate in the fire service. The day you sign up, you get automatically get a second family. And yeah. in our second family, we have the same turmoil you have in your first family. Uh, but, you know, the differences in our family is that in two minutes, that guy that you don't like and you're arguing about something trivial you're going to be going down a smoky hallway together and you're going to rely upon him to make a decision or do an act that could impact your life and impact your family's life. So we have to have, you know, that, that respect and courage are two that really come to mind right off the bat with me uh, that we need to see in our leaders. Fantastic. Uh, now, Doug, in the book, you talk, both of you talk about push the curve. What does push the curve mean? Well, funny you mentioned that, Frank. I have a little diagram here. I don't know if it'll show up too well 
Yeah, okay. Yep, I see it. Yep, you got it in there. I got it. All right. right. (laughs) I want to get the glare off of it. All right. Yeah, okay. So your standard bell curve, right? Every firehouse is comprised of the standard bell curve. And you say to me, but Doug, there's, you know, there's good firehouses and there's great firehouses. And, you know, how, how is there a difference between a good firehouse and a great firehouse? So I've got two axes here, right? I got a firefighter axis and I've got our excellence axis. This axis goes from mediocre to excellent. Pretty much every firehouse looks like this. You know, you have some firefighters who just love, uh, you know, the, sh- the shiny flashing lights and the bells and the sirens, and uh, you've got the great majority of your people here who fall in the middle, who are good employees or good firefighters. They do their best, but they've got stuff going on at home. They got kids. They got, you know, they, it's complicated, right? The whole it's complicated. And you got your excellent firefighters, right? Those who are learning on their own, who are going out of their way to striving for mastery. They're combat ready. They want to go and do their job, and they want to do it well. And that's pretty much every firehouse, the standard bell curve. So how do you push the curve to excellence? How do you, how do you push, what's the difference between a good firehouse and a great firehouse? How do we get this line to be pushed in this direction? So our standard bell curve is always going to exist. You're still going to have those firefighters who are on your team and are on your hose line and are doing your search with you who may not be the best at it. But you're going to have more firefighters who fall into that excellent category and want to be better firefighters. And that is the job of the company officer. That is the job of the senior, to get those senior firefighters, to get those firefighters on board. Because remember, every day you go to work at the kitchen table, the same team is there. Whether Mm -hmm. it's my kitchen table, whether it's yours and Kearney, whether it's Dan's and Fairfax, that's the exact same kitchen table. And everyone is on the team. Everyone's on the team. So if we're pushing in, making a making a uh, an advance with the hose line, and we have mediocre firefighters on our team, well, that's not gonna that's not gonna help our cause. But if we drill and train and push the curve, push the curve forward to excellence, and get more firefighters ready to go to work, ready for that fire of their career, when it's on and we have to perform, and when we have to perform, we all know the stresses that we're under. We have to perform flawlessly. Yeah. To provide, listen, every 64 seconds in the United States of America, there is a residential building fire. That is the statistic. Every 64 seconds, someone in this country is going out the door to fire in a one and two family dwelling. Mm-hmm. As Dan says, 64 seconds to craft that narrative. What do you, you know, are you going to be the company that shows up? You know, you know, listen, when I was a young fireman, when we got off the rig, the civilians were helping us pull the hose. What is everybody doing today? Yeah, They're, yeah, you're right. Then, they're not you looking know, for the 15 minutes of fame. They're looking for the 15 seconds of fame, yeah. right? They're not helping. But That's we so have, true. And now, who's at the who's on the other end of this camera? We are. And you mm-hmm. can't go to the town board, the, the town supervisor, your neighbor, your te- your your kid's teacher, and say, "Hey, sorry, we had a whole bunch of M's today. Mediocre firefighters. Sorry, that's not, that doesn't that doesn't fly." But let, let's that talk. Let's talk a little bit deeper about this. Because you mentioned the kitchen table, and and maybe it's wasn't a mistake that you mentioned the kitchen table. Because would you agree with me that that's probably the number one place where you can start to push that curve, just with conversations with the firefighters around the kitchen table about becoming better? Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Attitude and actions 
it starts with each person. Each person has the ability to start to push that. Everyone wants to be part of something cool. And if you make something cool and you get some buy-in, that's what you're looking for is buy-in. Yeah. And understanding that we, we want to be better at our jobs so we're making our citizens safer. It's not that, oh, you're, this guy's a super buff. Like, oh, well, come on, man. You know, this ain't bedrock, but we're the town over from bedrock. And if nothing burns in bedrock, then, you know, what's the chances of us going to a fire today? Come mm. on. Let's get back in the lounge lizard. Burr, you know, all right, here we go. <laughs> I tell you, I, Dan, I don't know if you want to elaborate. I don't know if you can top that, the lounge li lizard. But, Dan, is there anything you want to <laughs> you want? Well, you know, Dan, actually, on a different topic, you know, there's there's something interesting that you guys are both with traditions training as well. And, uh, you know, I should mention that. You're both phenomenal instructors, by the way. I mean, you know, I've sat in your class uh, at FDIC and some other places. But um, when when you guys teach, do you feel like, do you feel like uh, you wish the entire department was hearing your message? Or do you feel that if there's, let's just say, five people from a department had come to your class, do you feel like those five can go back and actually make a difference on a department with 200 people? Absolutely. I mean, I think you, you can never underestimate the impact a single person can have if they're given the right avenue. Uh, and one of the things that I've learned in my career, and I think this is, you know, we talk about adversity, uh, is adversity and failure are prerequisite for success. And so if you would, if you go in every single one of these, and Doug and I talk about this all the time, we don't care if we're teaching in a, a broom closet with two two other uh, firefighters or we have a room of uh, 5,000. doesn't matter because we're committed to the message we're trying to share with them. And so if we can get two guys to go out there and start a groundswell to get two more guys and three more and five more, you know, the message goes. And they can start to refine it. They can start to hone it because you're not going to hear when Doug and I talk the FDNY way or the Fairfax way. You're going to hear the – we're going to give you a path a path to be successful, then you got to look at your environment and adapt it to that environment. So right. yeah, it, it, no matter where we go, uh, whether it's a kitchen table, uh, whether it's a class of 5,000 or whatever it is, uh, or something like this, this is an opportunity. And none of these are obstacles. They're always opportunities, right. opportunities for you to do the right thing and to leave the fire service better than what you found it. You know, Frank. Yeah, go ahead. Honestly, the people who come to our classes, the people who come to your classes usually are not the people who need the message. Hmm. They're those excellent firefighters at the far end of the curve. Yeah. But what they need, what they need to hear is that they're not alone. Right. That they're not alone at the end of that curve. They can pull more people to their side. They're not powerless. It, right. No. And inspirational leaders and right. speakers like yourself, like Dan, sometimes, <laughs> they are the people who... Thanks, help, <laughs> help keep keep the fire lit under those excellent employees. They keep the fire go going, and they help more people up. We say that time and time again. The people who really need to be here and see this and hear this message are not here today. You know why? Because they don't care. You care. You have the ability to make a change in your department. Start with you. I tell them when you come to a class, make sure you come here. The next speaker that's coming in, maybe it's you guys, maybe it's, it's somebody else, but whoever it is. But bring a freshman class with you. Bring someone new with you. And you never know what you're going to hear. Earlier, uh, I mentioned traditions training. And, and you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because you never know where you're going to get inspiration from. But I sat down with um, 
my officers one day and, and we just had a culture development session where we talked about what do we do really well that we need to keep doing? What are we doing wrong that we need to stop doing because we're getting a bad result? And what aren't we doing at all that we need to start doing? And we talked about a back to basics initiative. And that was just around the same time, Dan, that you spoke about back to basics. And if you're good in these seven areas, you're going to shine on the fire ground. The seven areas being water supply, forcible entry, first and second hose line deployment, uh, search and rescue, portable ladders, ventilation and communications. So I took those seven things. And in my email that I send out with staffing for the next tour, we have a little back to basics with a list of those seven things. Just to remind our members, let's focus on training in these seven areas. There's plenty of other areas we need to train in. But you know and I know that sometimes in the fire service, there's a new flavor of the week. And maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's right, maybe it's decon, technical rescue, whatever it may be. How, and we need to train in all these things. But we have a very young group of firefighters uh, on my department. And, and many departments I speak to have young firefighters. And, I, you know, I talked to them about getting back to basics and the importance of, of mastering the basics, not just getting good at, at doing a few things, mastering some things. So when, when you get off that apparatus, everybody's mastered two or three skills. You're going to have a very strong, uh, a very strong company. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, m mastery does not mean you've gotten to the top of the mountain. It means you're always seeking it. Right. And the day you think you got to the top of the mountain, you're done. Because go back to the first comment we talked about is the fire always gets a boat. And that's the variable that we can never discount is that we can we can control a lot of it. Uh, but that's the one thing we can't. And you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it's the fundamental execution of basic skills in a chaotic environment that are going to lead us to be successful. Right. Um, and, and Frank, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you sharing that because – you know, that, that, that is the, the reason we share that stuff. I know where I work, it's an absolute privilege. So if I can, you know, it's incumbent upon any of us in a position where you have opportunity that you need to share what you have. So guys can take it like yourself and put their own spin on it and make it better and continue to you know, go back to the definition of leadership, right? I mean, it's enlisting aid and support of others for the accomplishment of a common purpose, but, and also to better the organization. Yeah. So you're leaving it better and you're making these people better. And that's a win-win. Yeah. And you're right. And you know, it's an interesting thing because uh, some people use social media for good. Some people use it for bad, but, but there's a lot of people like you guys that are out there putting some good stuff out there. And I appreciate that. What I want to do, uh, cause we're, we're uh, getting to the end of the podcast here. I want to end the same way we end with some of our other guests by what I call some rapid fire questions. So I'm just going to ask a question and we'll start with, uh, with Doug each time just to maintain some kind of an order. And then Dan. Uh, but I'm going to ask you guys a series of questions real quick. And one of them is, what's the best advice anyone's ever given you? Be true to yourself. Dan? Uh, the fire service can take a lot of things from you. Your rank, your, your, uh, your pay, uh, your stature. But they can never take away your knowledge. And if they give you knowledge, you're a fool for not to go continue to gain it. Great. How about worst advice, Doug? Ooh, worst advice? Uh, Listen, I got to, I have it, to I have to tell you why why yeah, I have to tell you why I say this because you know, I've had some people in our industry say worst advice you know, I've ever given it is uh, you know, people said people tell me I'm too uh, inexperienced to to seek promotion or or you know, just put the put the wet stuff on the hot stuff. Things like that. 
You know, when people are actually saying, well, hey, how do I get better at my job or am I ready for this or whatever? And somebody actually says something to try to diminish you or make you feel like you're not worthy of that promotion or seeking that. I like to ask that question just in case somebody's ever said anything like that to you. I think the worst advice that I that I've ever gotten um, was was basically from a firefighter who had effectively given up, and we were trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. uh, and the guy was kind of like, "Yo, bro, you don't live here. It's not your house. They're not your family. Let's get out of here. We don't need to do this." And I'm I'm not the biggest, you know, quote, quote customer service. Uh, Believer, to some extent, we have a, we have a business that we have to do. We have to get ready for the next run and, and be ready to go back out the door. Mm-hmm. But we have to realize that when people dial nine one one, they've effectively given up. They've given up. We're, they we're not their us. first choice. They call us when there's nowhere left to go. They've called us, and we're the professionals. Yeah. So we have to respond professionally, hand, mitigate the problem, no matter how mundane it may seem to us. They called us. You know, one of our chiefs used to say. They call, we come. That's what we do. Yeah. So the, the fact that this guy was ready to just kind of walk away from without solving a problem to completion, that was probably some of the worst advice I got. Mm. How about you, Dan? Um, you should do a class with Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny right there. No, no, I think the, the worst advice, it, it took an instant to my head. I had a, a senior officer tell me one time that, not everyone likes to train like you do, so maybe you should uh, turn it down a little bit. Worst advice. Yeah. I, I walked away from that going, I don't train because I, I enjoy it. I train because the fire demands it. Our job demands it. The public demands it. So yeah, that, that's an easy one. <laughs> How about this? You guys are both very successful, but I know you're both very humble. I know we joke around a lot. You're you're two of the m- most fun people I've ever, you know, I, I hang out with. When I, I laughed every time we get together, and, and which is probably why you keep me around, because I laugh at you and make you feel like you're probably smarter and funnier than you are. But at what point did you feel successful? Because you're both successful. In the, in the fire service as an author or as authors, as speakers and instructors, when did you consider yourself successful? Listen, I'll be honest with you. Success uh, is not to be measured by oneself. Um, I, I don't look uh, to pat myself on the back. I've never walked out of a fire that I've, I, you know, I did everything right that time. I'm going to do everything exactly the same way. Um, I mean, success is is not not for me to judge on myself. Perhaps my peers, uh, perhaps um, my my superiors. And perhaps those those firefighters under me may see, may say that I've achieved some measure of success. But uh, in my opinion, I'm just striving to be a better person. Um, I'm I'm, stri- I'm striving to try to make a difference in my profession because I'm very passionate about um, what we do, what mm-hmm. we do as firefighters, and what we do as fire officers. Um, just trying to make it better than it was when I got here, and it was pretty damn good when I got here. Well said, Dan. Yeah, uh, still don't, uh, still don't consider myself successful because I think it's like mastery. You're always seeking to get to that point that you know maybe one day you will be successful, but you just commit to the mission. And you know, I would think anything in life, uh, personally, if you you know, when you think you're successful, is if my uh, if my two kids turn out better people than me, and then mm. I'll take that as success. But 
fire service, and like Doug said, I mean, it's all about the legacy you leave. And probably long after you're gone, you might get some indication you were successful. Yeah, I mean, well said. And like I mentioned, you, you're you both very humble, and I appreciate your answers. How do you overcome adversity, meaning maybe you have a bad performance on the fire ground, personal or as a team, or adversity in, a, in another area of life? But what do you do to overcome adversity or deal with defeat? Um, as I stated in the last question, like uh, I've yet to come out of a fire and pat myself on the back said I did everything right, nor my team. And you have to be, you have to be your own worst critic. Um, and you have to do it, in my opinion, you have to do it in front of your, your, your peers and in front of uh, your subordinates because we're not perfect and we make mistakes and mistakes happen on the fire ground. Mm -hmm. The key is to learn from those mistakes and try not to make them again. I mean, as Dan said, the fire always gets a vote. So we can't, our SOGs and SOPs, you know, they're guidelines of procedures. There's going to be variations. Uh, the key is when mistakes happen and when there's subpar performance, we own up to it and we try to make ourselves better. Dan? Yeah, uh, like I said earlier, I mean, I think failure and adversity are prerequisites for success. Uh, so anytime I you know hit adversity, which is you know, daily, uh, I look at them as they are not obstacles, they're opportunities. They're opportunities to make yourself better. They're opportunities to refine your mission. They're opportunities to pick people up who may feel like they have failed at something. Uh, and when we look at what when people do acts, uh, whatever they are, is it out of malice or ignorance? If it's out of malice, you know we have a process to fix that. 99% of them are in ignorance. They didn't know they were doing something wrong. It was an act of commission, not an act of omission. And so, you know, I always go back to, hey, look, take a deep breath. These aren't obstacles. They're opportunities to make us better as an organization, make that person better. Yeah, you kind of alluded to where I wanted to go with the next question, which was uh, dealing with critics or criticism, especially with social media today. And even in our industry, you know, I, I like to say how, listen, we're not in a, a competitive in industry. We share information in a fire service, unlike in corporate America, where sometimes it may be, I don't want you to know my secrets. Yet with social media, you know, there's people out there that even within the fire service, there's people out there that will, will take a, a 30 second clip or less, a five second clip and criticize it, or even a photo, criticize everything they're doing wrong and they weren't there. And I always say everybody's an expert at fighting the fire they weren't at. But how do you deal with critics? There's always going to be critics. Um, at every event, uh, at every fire you go to, there's always going to be somebody who says they can do it better than you. And that's just the reality of the world we live in. What I will say, uh, you know, I say in the class that I, I kind of laugh about it is, is that you know, the fire service has a lot of, uh, you know, keyboard cowboys who sit back behind. Um, I think most of them are French. This is one guy. And mm -hmm. I see him posting all the time. Um, and uh, listen, uh, so a lot of times there's, there's like a sandpaper culture, as Dan would say, where you have to choose a side. Listen, take in what you see. You can see and watch a video or take a picture and use it as a training tool. But to comment right. on something that you were an act, it's unfair. And you wouldn't want somebody doing that to your next fire. They might. But if you're going to be that guy, it, 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 might, it might weigh a little heavy on you when, when it all comes around. So I don't, I don't take it any of it personally. Again, social media being what it is, we, you know, we've had things that we've done uh, spun into, you know, other people saying that it would, whatever. It's, 
it's just another tool. And if we can take social media for firefighters and turn into a positive tool to flip the paradigm instead of being negative on everything, but seeing the positive and seeing the training tool that it certainly can be for us as firefighters and fire officers, that would be my, my, my bit on social media. Mm -hmm. Dan? Yeah, I would say uh, if you have a purpose and you're committed to that purpose and that purpose, you know, go back to being credible. Uh, there's a level of altruism in there. The, your critics are not even a distraction. And if that critic has the courage to openly confront you about it, great. You know, let, let me see what I'm doing through your lens. See if I have an opportunity. Because, you know, leadership is not about the number of people you leave in your wake. It's more about the people you bring with you. Mm -hmm. So that another opportunity for you to bring someone along or see a different view. Hey, man, I, I didn't see it from that level. But you know, if you're going to consume yourself with, as Doug says, anonymous. Doug, you want to finish his thought? No. Since you, you guys you share a brain. Yourself. <laughs> oh, no, all right. Go ahead, because you, you got cut yourself. off. Yeah, if you consume yourself with Mr. Anonymous, uh, you'll never stay committed to your purpose. You will just spend endless hours chasing that. Have a purpose. Be committed to that purpose. Critics are just a distraction. Fantastic. The one last question. How important is loyalty to you? Wow. Uh, loyalty is extremely important. Uh, and there's different levels of it. Um, loyalty, as Dan says, to the mission. And that mission has to have good leaders that lead that team, that, that help push that curve towards excellence. Um, you need to have the loyalty of your people. And, you know, the most important resource we expend on any fire, as Dan says, is our people. And knowing your people and having their uh, loyalty and having their trust in you and your decision making, knowing that they uh, want to do the best that they can for you in that loyalty, and as an officer, being having the loyalty of those battalion chiefs and those chiefs above you to not put you in uh, harm's way for unclear purposes, the Powell Doctrine. Hmm. Basically, we, we need the loyalty on this job. You know, it's kind of like your, uh, it, it kind of precedes you when you go from place to place, you know, knowing that if this is, a, this, is this guy's a loyal guy, he's a good guy, he's, his reputation is that of being loyal to one, the citizens, two, to the organization, and three, to his people, I mean, I don't think there's anything else you can ask for than that in a, in a, in a firefighter and a fire officer. Mm. Well said. Dan? Yeah, it's vitally important, but I, I look at it as loyalty is, is something that's on the other side of the equation. Uh, and what I mean by that, there's a lot that goes into it, so you can get to loyalty. You don't get it because you get rank. Uh, you don't get it because you go to a busy house. Uh, you get it because you do all these other things. It doesn't, you know, loyalty never overshadows or diminishes integrity and respect and courage, personal courage and, and the physical courage of what you do. So we can never ever discount that uh, for what we do, no matter what we do. Uh, and it's vitally important is that loyalty uh, is great when you can get to it, but there's so many steps you have to do to get to that point and you can't discount those. 25 to Survive, Reducing Residential Injury and Line of Duty Deaths. Fantastic book, I highly recommend it. I wanna thank you. Dan Shaw, Doug Mitchell, for coming on and sharing some of your thoughts with us and with the listeners. How can people get a hold of you guys? I'll well, give you Doug's home telephone number. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
We have a, uh, a pretty popular uh, Facebook page, uh, 25 to Survive, where we put out uh, a weekly Sunday preach. Uh, kind of takes a snippet of the book with a little picture. Uh, kind of gives good uh, uh, fodder around the kitchen table for a drill for the, perhaps the day. Uh, you can reach us through, through Facebook Messenger. We're also on all the other uh, uh, social media things as far as Twitter at 25 to Survive. Uh, you can reach me uh, email. Uh, dmitchell at traditionstraining.com. Um, obviously, Traditions Training is uh, a fantastic organization that has uh, a great uh, depth of instructors and information for those departments who are looking to uh, conduct both lecture and hands-on training. Uh, you can certainly hit me up, uh, dmitchell at traditionstraining.com. And you know, very simply, uh, mine's D Shaw S H A W at Traditions Training or at uh, on Twitter at Chief Dan Shaw. Fantastic! It's an absolute privilege to be here with you, buddy. Oh, listen, it, the honor was mine. I really, I'm very grateful that you guys made time for this, and I'll be seeing you again very soon, and we'll be talking, I'm sure, on the phone. You know, one of the things that I want the listeners to understand is this: you don't have to. Um, just rely on what you have within your own organization as a resource. When you want to learn and grow and change and improve and bounce ideas off people, I call you guys, I bounce ideas off you, you call me, uh, we bounce ideas off of each other because, again, we're in a, we're in a industry where we're, we're, we're lucky that we get to do this. You know, we're lucky that we get to not just serve these communities and, and the organizations, but we're lucky that we get to actually interact with each other and and find people that are doing things better, take their ideas, like you said earlier, Dan, kind of shape them, uh, mold them. Uh, this book has helped me a lot. Uh, I've given it to a couple of my officers. I, I felt it would help them as well. So continue to share your message, and I'm looking forward to many times that we're going to spend together in the future, my friends. Awesome. Thank you very much again. Thank you. Thank you. Head right over to our website, fireinsidepodcast.com. Right at the top of the page there, you have a link to all our socials. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fireinsidepodcast. Also, our Twitter and Instagram links. We're pretty active on all of those. Definitely also make sure you check out our YouTube page. We do some exclusive content there, kind of behind the scenes, um, extra stuff that gets cut out of the actual podcast, but some really great stuff over there. Check that out. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Also, if you'd like to purchase any of the books from um, either Frank or any of our guests, shoot over to our website, fireinsidepodcast.com. Click on the shop link up at the top. That'll bring you to our page broken down by episode of each one of our guests. And those will take you over to our Amazon affiliate links where you can pick up a copy. Also, wherever you're listening to us, whether it's on TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes, stop by one of those pages, give us a like. Leave a comment. Reviews are always great. We'd love to hear from you guys. And that's about it. So I hope everyone enjoyed today's episode and we will see you next time.